Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about the films See You Yesterday and The Hate You Give. But first, let's catch up. What Ken's, do you what do? Do? No, Me? No. You? You first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing I'm into is Stump Sola, a new um, series on the Babish Culinary Universe YouTube channel, um, formerly known as Binging with Babish. And if you listen to the podcast, you know that we were fans of Bon Appetit um, before it was revealed that there was like none of the uh, people of color cast were being paid for their video appearances and a bunch of other shit. A cesspool of other inequity. Yes. Um, But, you know, we were still, I think there are definitely a few like mm-hmm. former cast members that we're still fans of. And one of them is Sola Whaley, who sort of was like the, like, uh, whistleblower almost. Yeah. Whistleblower yeah. for sure. Um, of all the shit going down at, uh, Bon Appetit. So she, um, is no longer working with Bon Appetit, but I don't know this man's name, Andrew Bab- Babish. I have no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> So, uh, he sort of, I, she, he, uh, I guess is paying her a good fair thing Mm -hmm. to be doing videos on his channel. So that's nice. I assume. So I assume she would not do it if he wasn't paying her fairly. Um, and I, you know, I had never watched his videos before and I had watched the videos of him, um, guesting on Bon Appetit's YouTube channel in the past and, I didn't like him. I thought he was sort of like rude and um I don't get his appeal. Like, yeah, I, I, I wasn't know. into it. It's not funny. Um so I was like a little hesitant to watch the Stump Sola series, but I love it so much. It's so it, cute. It, like Sola is great. Um it's it is very light on Andrew. Um and Sola is just like so fun to watch and she's so good and smart and like so talented um Mm -hmm. and uh especially the most recent um video it was like astronaut thanksgiving or something i think it came out yesterday i haven't watched it i cried at the end because it has like this extremely touching like like voiceover by solo being like this was such a hard year and i'm so grateful to everyone for like making it possible for me to like still be here making content and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and i like i there was a vulture feature in october recently that came out with um interviewing her and in the interview she cried at the end and i like i just cannot imagine how stressful it must be to like basic like whistleblow on like the the face of yeah yeah uh, and yeah. just like put everything on the line, like her career on the line because mm-hmm. she wasn't being treated right. Um, <sighs> she's so brave and such an inspiration. You yes, know? truly, truly. And I'm so happy that she is still out there. Like she has a cook and she has a cookbook deal coming yeah! and I'm so excited yeah, and I just, too. I'm so happy for her. Um, so she really the, it. like, that is bringing me so much joy um watching her do her thing still Mm -hmm. so um that is the first thing i'm also um 
more controversially into the cookbook by Claire Saffitz, Dessert Person, which was gifted to me by Bridget. Happy uh, birthday! For my birthday. Um, and, you know, Claire was a contract worker for Bon Appetit and probably their biggest moneymaker. Yeah. Um, but her contract was up in May and she's no longer working with them. So, you know, I feel fine <laughs> being like, I still support claire even though she didn't speak as openly as i wanted her to about the controversy at bon appetit um so i wanted her to do more but hopefully in the future she will do more and she's not working with them anymore which is a big fuck you to them because like i said she she was was definitely the cash cow yeah (laughs) but i've been making so far i made two recipes from it um i made the salted halva blondies and buttermilk miso biscuits and um Mm. they were both very delicious and at the beginning of the cookbook there's like a matrix of like how easy the recipes are and how long they take and like Mm. uh so i've been starting at the bottom and trying to go up from there and i think that um like i have a lot of like insecurities around baking and cooking and eating (laughs) and just a weird relationship with food overall don't we all um but i think that having like one cookbook where i'm not overwhelmed about like which recipe to choose because it like lays it out on which is the easiest and i have like an order to go in it's like helpful to me to like get started and have like a list of that to go through and stuff um so that's been really nice and also it's like a way for me to feel like i'm being creative when i'm feel like i have so true no brain capacity to like Mm -hmm. create actually something new i'm like Mm -hmm. oh but i am creating something new it feels so satisfying that someone else is telling me (laughs) no it's really satisfying yeah um and then the final thing is the new netflix series called dash and lily that i watched yesterday morning in one sitting with my friend Catherine. You watched it in one sitting? Yeah. Okay, I'm on episode three. <laughs> um, we just watched it in one sitting yesterday so morning, fun, me and Cather, and it was like perfect. It like in terms of like tone. It was watching it with Cather was like the perfect person to watch yeah. it with. Um, I think it was made by the, she was telling me it was made by the same people that made like Nick and Nora's Infinite yeah. Playlist and uh, Naomi and Eli's so much No sense. Kiss List. So it's very like hitting certain notes it's like a christmas tale so i think before like i was not ready to be in the christmas spirit i guess and it feels weird to be in the christmas spirit now i even because it just feels like it's still april or whatever but um yeah it was nice it was like very you know light and fluffy and uh fun so and you know love a good teen romance so so far it's like the perfect blend of like cute and also being like the kind of watch where you're like this is just ridiculous yeah this is crazy what -hmm. are these kids doing yeah and just so like unrealistic unrealistic but that's fine absolutely i don't know about you but um watching pretty much anything where large people large groups of people are gathered together it makes me very emotional like the opening scenes yeah. is christmas in new york and everyone's like walking around yeah like gathering. she goes to i don't know if you what episode this is in but she goes to like a club i guess um and just it's, it's just like dancing with a bunch of people and i was like wow <laughs> one day yeah 
<sighs> what about you? Um, so I'm into a very different type of show uh, that I highly recommend to you, Ken's called Evil. It's on Netflix. It was originally on CBS. It stars Mike Coulter from Luke Cage um, that was on Netflix a while back. And I forget the the female lead's name, but she's been in a few other things. And the premise is kind of like uh, a little X-Files-y in that it's a forensic psychologist uh, and a priest in training who team up to basically investigate instances of possible like demon possession or miracles Mm -hmm. or prophets. They operate in um, Queens and they also have a friend named Ben who's like their IT guy who helps them like debunk some stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's a little bit of sexual tension between um, the main character. I honestly just can't remember her name at all. (laughs) Emily? Kate? I don't know. It's not important. (laughs) <laughs> but she's a mom of four girls, which was something that was like kind of difficult for me to get over at the beginning of watching it, where there's just like so many young girls on screen. Sometimes there's mm-hmm. four girls. And I was like, why on earth would you give her four daughters? You know, like narratively, mm-hmm. you really only need two kids to tell stories. Mm-hmm. I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Really, it's very fun to watch. It's not that scary. It's made by the same people who did like The Good Wife and The Good Fight. So it has this kind of um, blend of being like a family dramedy, a, like courtroom scenes, and then like a procedural where like every episode they investigate something new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good though. I'm really, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, even though it was very pro Catholic church at times. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, something weird going on there. <laughs> I am reading two books that I'm really enjoying right now. The first is by Brian Washington. It's called Memorial. Um, it was recently acquired by A24 to be adapted into a movie. I am was very excited to read it because it's Houston-based literature. Mm. Houston, my adopted city right now, is home to like f- 4 million people. The city of Boston is home to like under a million people, and yet you can mm. name so many pop culture items that are based in Boston and you can like barely name any that are based in Houston. And if Mm -hmm. they're in Houston, it's not like important that they're in Houston, like Mm -hmm. Rushmore, the movie. Oh Um, yeah. It's like, it's not like an actual part of the story, but Mm -hmm. Memorial is about two men living together in Houston, a gay couple, um, whose names I forget right now too. Oh, Mike and Ben. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mike is a black man. Nope. Mike is, a a Japanese American man mm-hmm. who goes home to Japan to take care of his dying father while his boyfriend, Ben stays behind in Houston and has his boyfriend's mom, also a Japanese woman come visit. So he's basically like left alone with his boyfriend's mom for uh, an extended period of time and it's super awkward Mm -hmm. but it's so delightful to read something set in Houston um, because Houston has such a like a it's obviously like a huge city the third largest in the country but it has such a small town vibe in some ways Mm -hmm. I will be reading parts of the book and there's a scene where the two men are discussing their sexual histories and Mike is like yeah and there was that accidental orgy at numbers and like numbers is like the like the club everyone knows in Houston you know Mm -hmm. and I was trying to imagine like if you read a book about New York and the character was like yeah I had an orgy at blah 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 Mm -hmm. you know maybe you wouldn't immediately have an association with that but Houston is such this like small community that I was like oh my gosh it's that feeling all the time reading it being like they're at a bar on Richmond yeah it's just cool to see where I live represented um in a, a book that also kind of gets what's so like magical and diverse about the city as well. And I'm Yay, excited for it to be awesome. a movie. Yeah. Wow. 
And then the last thing I would like to plug is another book I'm reading right now called True Story by Kate Reed Perry. When I was thinking, when I was writing this down, I was like, is this lady's name Katie Perry? Uh, But it's Kate Reed Perry. (laughs) I was like, I'm so confused. Uh, Mm -hmm. Why do I think that? So it's a very difficult book to describe, but basically the thrust of it is it's about this girl. Well, it centers around um, this incident in high school where this girl is um, drunk at a party and she is driven home by two members of a lacrosse team um, who drop her off at her house and her mom sees them leaving her like passed out body on her porch with one of their like letterman jackets. Mm-hmm. And the boys start a rumor at school that they basically that they sexually assaulted her while she was asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically torpedoes this girl's life and also their own lives in some ways. Right. And then it's, um, I don't want to give anything away, Mm -hmm. but the story is very meta in that it jumps around from perspectives and genres and different timelines as well um, to kind of be about how victims of trauma sometimes to understand what happened to them and how to understand their own story have to kind of play around with narratives. It's very similar to I May Destroy You in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the last episode of I May Destroy You where she imagines different um, outcomes for confronting her rapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also is a horror novel. So there's multiple, it's kind of like there's some short stories within the overarching story about um, mm-hmm. this girl's sexual assault, but a few of them are straight up horror. Uh, so it's very interesting. I would recommend it for like fans of uh, Carmen uh, Maria Machado. Uh, really good, really enjoying it, but very heavy. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, Sometimes I feel like I just talk way too fast. <laughs> oh, well, I I feel like all of those are really great. I'm like inspired now to check out all of those things. So you did a really good job. Thanks, Kens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into our first movie. So our first movie is See You Yesterday from 2019? 2019. Yeah. Oops. Okay. C.J. Walker and her best friend Sebastian Thomas are science prodigies. They plan to leave their home of Flatbush by winning a science competition, ensuring scholarships to their dream schools. But their project, a time machine that will place them back a few days, isn't quite ready. When an unthinkable tragedy occurs, an undercover cop shoots and kills C.J.'s older brother. C.J. must harness her scientific genius to save her family and right a wrong. So, I hadn't seen this movie before, but I had seen it on Netflix and thought it was interesting and then when we um when the george floyd protests were happening back in may we had um sort of made a commitment to watch all these different movies and this was one of them and we thought that it would be um a good pairing with the hate you give because they're both like ya Mm -hmm. movies um that are about police brutality yeah um and really cops shooting and killing mm-hmm. young black men um and i i really liked this movie what did you think i liked it too um it definitely has a way different tone than the hate you give probably because mm-hmm. it's a little it has a sci-fi element mm-hmm. and um it's also a little more like playful at the beginning mm-hmm. um the relationships and setup are a little more playful and felt more like a like a different type of YA mm-hmm. book than you like almost for a younger audience than the hate you give mm-hmm. maybe. Um, uh, really great cast. Uh, 
Eden Duncan Smith as CJ is especially great. I thought her performance um, was really special. And she was also just like a great, like almost like fantasy protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, So the main conceit of the movie is CJ keeps trying to hop backwards in time to save her brother. And Mm -hmm. every time she attempts to go backwards in time, she is unable to save her brother. And one of her attempts also results in the death of her best friend and fellow time traveler, um, Sebastian. Uh, And so she kind of comes to realize or maybe she doesn't. I, it's very ambiguous at the end, which we'll get mm-hmm. to that. Like sometimes violence is unavoidable because of these. Um, I took it as violence is unavoidable because of like the larger systems at work mm-hmm. that have um, created systems of violence. Mm-hmm. Is that like a backwards statement? No, that's fine. Is that like when I, someone defines a word by using the word in the definition? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, I do think that it is like a little bit of a younger, it's definitely like a more fun mm-hmm. movie um, than The Hate You Give. Um, and I think it is just by nature of being like sci fi. Um, like it has a fun cameo to uh, by, mm-hmm. what's his name? Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox from Back to the Future in the very beginning, which um, mm-hmm. was like was fun it was like fun to see him and you know also just in terms of like um the way they dress it's all very like colorful and seems like cartoonish almost and they're like yeah Mm -hmm. for sure and like um like comic booky like and like just being a sci-fi movie just nerdier in general Mm -hmm. like not just in uh being about science or sci-fi but in just in terms of uh also having that comic book Mm -hmm. feel toward to it yeah um and it it did feel like almost for a younger audience and they seemed maybe because they seemed like more cartoonish i guess just the way that they dressed and because it was a fic like sci-fi um, mm-hmm. they seemed younger too. They did seem younger. Um, yeah. which was, it was very, it caught me off guard when CJ was talking about like sex in one of her very early conversations with oh, Sebastian yeah. because she seemed so much, it just, I was, they do seem younger. They do yeah. seem younger. And both of these movies, I think do a good job of capturing how kids talk to each other yeah. and high school students talk to oh, each other. Sure. Um, with some exceptions, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> It's just funny. Like, I think this is just the nature of how, like, young people talk, too. Sometimes it just mm-hmm. sounds corny when you translate, like, internet speak, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself, but in The Hate You Give, at one point, um, Star calls her parents her OTP. And it's oh, yeah. cute. It's, like, exactly, you know, it's how that's how young people talk. Yeah. But um, something I liked about this movie was kind of, like, the black nerd aesthetic um, mm-hmm. which Shannon Miller in AB Club is able to summarize kind of better than I could. She says, an early scene in the Bronx High School of Science is so em- emblematic of the film as a whole that it could double as its cinematic DNA. While CJ is intently reading Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time, Sebastian and his friends peruse a copy of Kwanzaa Osayefo's Comic Black, which explores a world where only black people are genetically able to acquire superpowers. I did not catch that. 
um, but that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. At the head of the class, their teacher, Mr. Lockhart, is nose deep in a well-worn copy of Kindred by Octavia Butler. Once Lockhart lowers his book, the audience finds themselves basking in a blessed cameo from Marty McFly himself, Michael J. Fox. All of it, Stephen Hawking, Black, the nods to Butler, and Back to the Future works together to uniquely shape CU Yesterday's identity. Um I think that's, I, you know, I didn't really pick up on all those different references in the first mm-hmm. scene, but it's good to know that they're there. And that's, mm-hmm. that is exactly it. It's kind of cinematic DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, because it was more fun in the beginning, I was, I was, I found myself hoping so much that it similar to get out would have a unrealistic, but happy ending you know i i wanted it to give us that so much just because it was so fun you know a time travel is confusing and i don't understand it but it was very fun and they're fun characters you know um Mm -hmm. it's nice to see them like be friends with each other and they have really great chemistry and they have great chemistry with you with the their brother with cj's brother calvin and mm-hmm. with their yeah. friend um whose name i don't remember but carlos i, I don't know <laughs> um, names are impossible for me today <laughs> in a way um but yeah it's they have like a little fun band of friends and yeah. so it's it's great to see them all you know interact with each other um mm-hmm. and something and so I did want them to, you know, have a fun ending Adventure. too, you yeah. know, a fun of a nice happy ending. And you don't get that really. It is mm-hmm. very ambiguous and the ending shows um after uh, a failed attempt at saving Calvin. Um again, there's many attempts, but um CJ fails again, but this time her uh friend Sebastian survives. But Calvin does die. He sacrifices himself to save Sebastian. Um, But CJ sort of runs away from Sebastian at the end to go back another time and attempt to save Calvin again. And I think that, I mean, the ending, I guess, was intentionally ambiguous. Obviously, Mm -hmm. everything in a movie is intentional, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, when I first you know, saw the ending, I was kind of like, okay, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a not un- unhappy ending, you know, it was sort of just it was a, just, yeah. it, I, it, I was like, okay, she's going to keep fighting for mm-hmm. her brother, which I thought was nice, you know, like it mm-hmm. totally, it wasn't completely hopeless, I thought, sure. but it, I, but I do agree with you also that there's this element of, like what you were saying before that these systems are seem inescapable. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing she can do ultimately. Um, even with this super powered machine mm-hmm. that she has made. Um, I didn't love the ending. Um, I wish that there was, more of a conclusive ending. Honestly, I mm-hmm. feel that by leaving it ambiguous, even though it does play into that theme that we're talking about of the violence being unavoidable. Um, I think that it lacked kind of like an emotional button. Um, mm-hmm. that's just my preference though. In, in watching movies too, I'm always mm-hmm. want there to kind of be more of an emotional button at the end of the movie mm-hmm. or like, emo- you know, kind of, um, conclusive in some way. Mm-hmm. And it, 
this is like the rare movie too, where I thought maybe it could have been longer. It's, mm. you know, an hour and 25 minutes maybe. Mm. Um, and it feels very much so like a Netflix original in that way, mm. you know, um, mm. kind of, um, you know, it has, it obviously has a, a budget for, you know, great effects and, mm-hmm. um, a really sweet cast, but it just felt kind of like it could have had it added a few more elements or like a subplot perhaps about mm-hmm. the, the science fair that they wanted to go to mm-hmm. falls away, obviously, because the murder of her brother is right. so much more, um, like distressing and important, mm-hmm. but it was also, you know, kind of like the mom doesn't really have that much to do. Mm-hmm. The, it just could have been like, I think like a, another element, like another plot. Um, yeah. tied in or maybe even you know um you know the hate you give i think really well deals with like community reaction and um obviously cj is like watching protests on the news i just mm-hmm. thought there could have been like one more thing kind of right. expanded upon yeah I, I think so i totally agree and i don't think mm-hmm. i put like a finger on it before you said that but mm-hmm. i think that like there could there needed to be i think it really could have been developed more like with her family i think that yeah obviously calvin is like the main focus but just like with her parents or something like that um mm-hmm. would have that would have been like a great yeah opportunity especially just, when walking this watching this back to back with the hate you give right which i think really well situates the character of star within her family and within her community yeah. where you mm-hmm. like understand her personality and character in relation to her parents and her Mm -hmm. siblings and her half siblings and Mm -hmm. her friends. This was just kind of, I I almost think I saw one review of it that said this could have been a TV show maybe. Mm -hmm. And that would have been better. Mm -hmm. Um, which I was like, "Hmm, that probably would have been better at kind of shaping the world that they live in, Mm -hmm. um, a little more fully. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Something else that I wanted to read from the Shannon Miller AV club article review, um, that I really liked, she says the transition from talking about gun violence to time jumps and proton packs feels no more disorienting than laughing at memes one moment and mourning a new unarmed victim of state sanctioned brutality. The next mm-hmm. something that black and brown Americans understand far too intimately, which I think is a really good way of describing the tone of this film too. You know, mm-hmm. it is the, the adventure and frivolity of a movie like back to the future mm-hmm. with a much more serious, um, heart and subject matter. Right. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I mean, I was going on and on about how fun it was, but it also mm-hmm. like you will cry, <laughs> like it's yeah. extremely sad too. Especially um, something that I like in YA is like the the like protective older brother. <laughs> I know that is that is a, a time honored YA trope. Yeah, I love it. And Calvin was so sweet. I loved him so. Like they do a really good really job sweet. of making him like a great character very quickly. Um, and even when they do bring him back for like temporarily at towards the end, like all of that, loved all of that. I was like, yes, Calvin, (laughs) you, you care about him so much. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, uh, am interested to see what this director does next. His name is, um, Stefan Bristol, and it was co-written by Frederica Bailey and produced by Spike Lee. So apparently, uh, the director, Stefan Bristol, uh, Stefan, probably. There's a whole story behind that in which uh, Linnea dated a guy named uh, Stefan, and I always called him Stefan. 
Okay. So you like are now trained I can't revert. to do yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, he had Spike Lee as his professor in film school and Spike Lee apparently trashed one of his first films that he made, but showed interest in his career mm-hmm. and offered to produce his first movie. And Spike Lee really does seem to have like his hand in so many um, up and coming artists careers, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I feel like this was a very like, you know, it was very tight, which I think that in terms of. I guess it could go either way, but, you know, it's like I feel like a very promising start, you know, and would be excited to see. Mm-hmm. what comes next yeah for sure um also i think worth noting about both of these films and we'll get more into this as we talk about the hate you give which i think has kind of more to talk about um is that they are about young black women trying to save the lives of young black men mm. which i think is really mirrored in the actual real life mm. black lives matter movement which has kind of been spearheaded by young black women activists yeah mm. <sighs> And they like also young black women slash black women also mm-hmm. saved the election, et cetera. It's just they like they did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about from see you yesterday? Uh, I would recommend it for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, I will say I don't understand time travel. Yeah. And that was a, 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 bear, a, a obstacle for me. <laughs> I was like wondering when they first went back in time and they saw their previous timeline selves. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, if they stay in this timeline, will they have to kill the other, the clone, like the prestige style? I just don't understand how time True. Works. When does it like catch up and they become They have one. to go back to the wormhole. And I was right. like, okay, so maybe if they miss the wormhole, they would be stuck in that timeline. I don't get it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, you can't think about it. It's very much. stressful to think about like their each time they went back, they had to like think about their previous trips and those having to avoid their previous trips, which was very stressful to me. Yeah. Oh, really stressful. Don't mess with time travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like ever. <laughs> ah, Ken's. What's your rating for CU yesterday? Um, I think a six because. Um, I really cared about all the characters and I had a lot of fun and I think I do, I do, I like sci-fi, um, Mm -hmm. time travel is stressful to think about, but I do, I do think it's like a very interesting, um, concept to play with. So I like Mm -hmm. that too. And I do think that it's like a unique way to present the topic of like police shootings of black men and police killings of police killing, murdering people. Um, so yeah, I I think a six, if Mm -hmm. I didn't already say that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, like I said, it feels very much so like a first film and also a Netflix original film. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, um, I think it would have been interesting to see this maybe released in a different setting or how that would have affected the movie perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I liked it. I thought it was really enjoyable. I wish it would have been longer and maybe had a more of a complicated um, secondary plot. But mm-hmm. I liked it a lot and I liked the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Oh, we kind of skipped over one star reviews, but oh. um, <laughs> I, I'll just read this one. I think uh, okay. it says, do Bla- black lives matter? Hell yes, they do. But they could have added an ending to this movie that actually resolved something and made a clear and concise point. Hell yes, they could. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I get it. Like, I get why mm-hmm. the ending was ambiguous. I do think it is, like, a preference to have. Yeah. I think, and it's a preference that I think most people would have, is to just have, like, a clear ending to some to a story. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think they could have done the ambiguous ending, but also still had like a more of emotional ending as well. Yeah, I would for sure. I think they, they could have had yeah. it both ways. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're getting into the hate you give, which is from 2018. As a 16 year old black girl, star Carter lives in two worlds. The first is her home in garden Heights where she lives with her family. And the second is the private school she attends in an overwhelmingly white neighborhood. While her white classmates throw around slang and act out, Star must watch her every step at school, even amongst her friends and boyfriend. Her two worlds implode when Star witnesses the murder of her childhood best friend Khalil by a cop. The murder of Khalil impacts every part of Star's two worlds, from her family life in the Garden Heights community to her ability to stomach microaggressions from her white friends. To honor the stolen life of her oldest friend, Star must find her own true voice. Um, so this was a movie that came out two years ago and I have been meaning to watch. I feel like it definitely got a lot more press and attention, um, than see you yesterday perhaps, and kind of had, you know, had a theatrical release mm-hmm. and has a pretty recognizable cast. Um, star is played by, um, Amanda Stenberg who was in the hunger games. And it felt like, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've seen her grow up on screen in an mm-hmm. ass some way. Cause she was so little in know. Um, the hunger games. So it also has Common and Regina Hall in it and Anthony Mackie from the Avengers movies Mm -hmm. as well. And KJ Appa, who I do not watch Riverdale, but his casting upset me. I did not like it. I do understand, though, that apparently, did you read this? They had a different guy playing the white boyfriend, but he, after they had finished filming his scenes, it came out that he was on video, like, saying the N-word, like, a few videos. Oh my And so they God. recast him with KJ Appa and reshot all those scenes. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I forget the actor's name. For being like, You're out of here. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, I know. So disappointing. I mean, he's kind of like perfect for like, for, know, as like honestly. a preppy, you know, white boy. He <laughs> just like kind of just unsettles me somehow. He looks way older than her too. Yeah. I just thought he... I just think he's mm. not the best... I just don't think he's a great actor. Like, he always seems like he is acting. He never seems like a real person. He always seems like an actor to me. Um, So that's a little, like, I just can't trust him as, like, a good person. Like, I never just feel like he's authentic. So I just don't trust him. Agreed. Don't like KJ Appa. He also has the most cringy line of the whole movie (sighs) where he's about to meet Star's parents for the first time and he's like i've got color on the inside where it counts (laughs) and i think it's like a joke because he says it to star and her brother but i was like oh yeah he definitely has a lot of like 
white person learning about race issues for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like that's his trajectory through the mm-hmm. movie. He says things like, I don't see color and mm-hmm. star has, I think one of the best lines in the movie where she basically says, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, if you don't see color, like you don't see me fully yeah. all the way. Um, I'm surprised they stayed together. Uh, I know, honestly, like good for him for learning, but also star deserves so much that she doesn't she had have to teach way <laughs> like, more chemistry with Khalil. I know. Oh, this movie we'll has some great YA moments um, in that it has a very sweet, quickly depicted uh, budding mm-hmm. romance between Star and her oldest. First of all, one, one of the best tropes ever is uh, yes. your childhood friend who you yes. later fall in love with. Love that. Uh, so we Incredible. get briefly get that. And then Khalil is horribly murdered by a cop mm-hmm. in what I think is one of a really well directed and shot sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, super tense so upsetting to watch yeah um but really really well done mm-hmm. and um um we have seen so many uh videos of black men being killed that were shot by first person witnesses on an iphone or other camera that to see it rendered cinematically uh mm-hmm. was interesting in a sense um and mm-hmm. as upsetting uh you know um but I, I thought that sequence was like really, really well done. And I, I think that that sequence too sort of is good at capturing the entire mm-hmm. tone of the movie almost because it starts sort of at mm-hmm. like this party where she sees Khalil and it, she sees him and the lights are like oh, yeah. this like pinky purpley part, like they're at a party. So, and it's sort of like slow-mo mm-hmm. her, him really like walking sweet. up to her and her noticing him, which is just so like loving and i mean they do do the slow-mo thing for appas i just say appa <laughs> i don't it might be appa i don't know if it's appa it's though so funny it's a halloween costume i don't know right um <laughs> <Appa>. <laughs> yeah um that's funny but so which i think is nice because i think she does have complicated yeah. she obviously likes both of them and she has like Ooh. these complicating feelings for both of them and i love like i love the like the i think it's like a ya trope basically too of like slow-mo showing yeah the crush or whatever and, uh, i love sorry, it go on. i love that um but it just and so it starts with that and then it which i love mm-hmm. as part of like a ya romance type thing but then like it goes to this conversation of um them in a car and it's yeah. very intimate like the way it's shot i mean they're in a car for mm-hmm. the whole time so it's like very close but um it like cuts back and forth instead of like um you know a like over the shoulder perspective of them talking Mm -hmm. it's like they're talking directly into the camera which i thought was very intimate um you just like felt yeah you felt the intimacy between them um which they have a lot of you know uh like background and character to build up very quickly because they're reuniting and then Khalil is immediately killed and it's mm-hmm. like very heartbreaking, yeah. you know, the visual language um, of this movie, um, does a really great job of conveying the kind of division within star, um, and kind of like the code switching that she has to do mm-hmm. while living her life. Um, the cinematographer is named, uh, Mihai Malamere, uh, Jr. Um, and he, 
we read an article in um, the cinematography magazine where he talks about like how consciously he and the director George Tillman Jr. Wow, they're both juniors. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, worked to make that visual distinction between Garden Heights and Star in the prep school she goes to, and to associate um, kind of the Garden Heights with like warm colors and you know feeling very like cozy and like oranges and reds. And mm-hmm. then when she's in the high school, it's much more white and blue in color, um, like a tungsten mm-hmm. uh, filter almost, and. Or like Twilight. Or like Twilight, which is an interesting <laughs> comparison. Uh, in Emily Yoshida's review in Vulture, she says, When Star is at school, the light temperature goes almost comically cool, as if the rich neighborhood isn't merely on the other side of town, but in a different weather system altogether. The effect is that of an environment devoid of warm-blooded empathy. It also has the side effect of making everyone, including Star, look whiter. And there's, um, there's so many other, like, um, interesting visual cl- clues too about like star being torn um, by these two different worlds she's a part of. And I think they come together nicely at the end of the movie where star is approaching this uh, protest that has broken out um, after they do not press charges against Khalil's murderer. And she receives from someone a t-shirt with Khalil's face on it. And she puts it over her school uniform, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of like decisively being like, this is who I am. And mm-hmm. I liked that also the whole movie star was sort of struggling with what to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't, which I didn't expect at all. I sort of from like the trailers yeah. and everything expected it to be more of a like switch flip yeah. where she was like, Oh, I need to do something yeah. now. But she really has like a hard time figuring mm-hmm. out what to do. And I think I, I like loved that because it, it really gives her time to like grapple with, confronting all of the microaggressions she's been experiencing at school forever um and sorting out which friendships she wants to end and which she wants to Mm -hmm. um keep or like have conversations with um and like builds up to her sort of putting her foot down i guess or like coming into it's it's like uh, all why Mm -hmm. like things are like you it's like a young person like finding their voice yeah yeah um and it it does a good job of that build-up and it's all the more gratifying Mm -hmm. when she does find her voice and sort of sticks up for khalil because the entire time she knows that she wants to be a good friend Mm -hmm. and like and uh do justice by his memory but she is not sure how Mm -hmm. best to do that and you know like keep her family safe and like do what her parents tell her to do Mm -hmm. or you know figure out what it means for her and her like current boyfriend um but yeah and then at the end when she is she seems so powerful Mm -hmm. when she's like speaking out at the protest it's just it's a good arc uh, Um, and I love that the family life in this movie is a lot more like vividly drawn, perhaps because it's based Mm -hmm. on a book by Angie Thomas. Um, 
you really get a sense of like her parents' relationships and then also the fact that her dad has like another kid from a previous relationship and you kind of mm-hmm. like get this whole sense of like the community and environment that has mm-hmm. been built around Star that mm-hmm. she grew up in. Um and her mm-hmm. parents are so sweet together and really cute. Mm-hmm. And she calls them her OTP, which is so adorable. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't I believe feel like someone said that. <laughs> I know. I feel like that plus the like Tumblr yeah. reference. I was like, this is a YA of like our, when we were. So like, true. It, it, so it true. felt dated in that. Ter- like it would be like perfectly on the nose yep. for like when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, Just like in terms of those little references, the OTP and the Tumblr yeah. thing. But it also, like, maybe not Tumblr, but Instagram, like, yeah. felt very real to how a teen would have a conversation nowadays mm-hmm. in terms of when Star posts a picture of Emmett Till on yeah. her Tumblr and her friend unfollows her and Star confronts her and is like, why did you unfollow yeah. me you- after I posted a picture of Emmett Till? I think that's a very, like, realistic mm-hmm. interaction. And rare to see correctly depicted on screen, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. Emily Yoshida talks about this in her review, too, that, like, it understands how adolescence, like something that seems as innocuous as like a like or an unfollow actually have like a mm-hmm. big ramification on your social life and are like are sending a mm-hmm. message, you know, um, that mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. micro um, language between young people. Uh, I know I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, they like actually get that. Um, yeah. They're not like old people <laughs> pretending they understand social media. <laughs> they're, you know, they're not like, I hate when um, some teens, obviously, and some people our age text with like you, you know, or, mm-hmm. uh, but not everyone. I hate when like you're watching mm-hmm. a serious movie and then like the character sends a text message and it's like, I don't know. Uh, and it's often not consistent. Yeah. It's, it, it's not like every instance of you will be a the I know, letter you. It's very weird. It's just it, <laughs> it's yeah. like very weird. That's why that's why there are so many white older men directing movies. They don't understand texting. Um mm-hmm. something I do want to talk about as well is um Amanda's casting as Star, mm-hmm. which was controversial when it happened. She and Zendaya Zendaya um Zendaya, Zendaya are kind of like the go-to young actresses of color that Hollywood uses. And like Zendaya has talked about this herself and has a mm-hmm. quote in this article we read by uh, Danielle Richardson called why casting a man Stenberg and hate you give is problematic. Zendaya says I'm Hollywood's, I guess you could say acceptable version of a black girl. And that has to change. Both of these actresses have uh, what Danielle Richardson calls mixed girl features with loosely curled hair and a lighter skin tone, but noticeably Amanda is much lighter skinned than the illustration on the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is in the article they show it like side yeah. by side, and it's obviously mirroring. They look almost exactly the same, except that. Mm-hmm. So it's very like noticeable. Yeah, and it's it is problematic, um, you know, because like this uh, writer says, Danielle Richardson, like these women have like more acceptable, quote unquote because they're closer to a Eurocentric beauty standard. Um, and mm-hmm. there are not very many black actresses who are dark skinned that make it onto film. And there are more like male actors who are, you know, it's definitely mm-hmm. misogynoir um, mm-hmm. about women with darker skin tones. So it's disappointing. Right. And it's not like they don't exist. Yeah, I know. It's like, exactly. Just like, cast them that's exactly something that the uh daniel richardson says it's like okay if you think that 
it's just an issue of like these are the most talented actresses you'd have to ask yourself like why are all the most talented actresses light-skinned you know you know there's just no logic to it um Mm -hmm. yeah so i think uh a man law made a statement about it too but it is unfortunate that they didn't do a better job with casting yeah Mm -hmm. um This has a protective older brother trope, too. Oh, you're so right. Seven. Yeah. Loves the whole family. And like that, this was kind of a family movie, too. Um, Mm -hmm. It was more layered, for sure. And obviously had more time to do that. It was longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Based on a book. It had had lots of, like, like turning points, I guess yeah. you can say. Like a lot was happening a lot was, the yeah. entire time. It was like very fast paced and very mm. um, twisty. Both of these movies, and I don't think this is a problem. I just wanted to point it out. Don't really spend any time with the cops. Um, the cops are not characters, which is fine. We do not need mm-hmm. any more movies that humanize cops in America, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Um, but I thought almost that maybe the cops would emerge in more of like a traditional villain role in these films, which I thought it was interesting that they didn't, you know, like you don't see, you don't like follow the white cop at all, which again is fine. It's not their movie. They're not there to be humanized at all. Um, I guess it's, they're just stand-ins for the larger issue and for the larger system that allows them to exist, which is maybe the point. Well, and I do think that they, this movie does some interesting things with Common's character, mm-hmm. who is a cop, yeah. and her uncle. Um, That's true. And she actually confronts him and is like, if you pulled over, uh, if you were in that cop situation, what would you have done? And he was like, I would have shot. Yeah. And she was like, well, what if it was a white man? And he said he would not have shot. Yeah. And she's like, did you just hear like what you just said? And it's it's... I don't think anything is necessarily resolved in that moment, but it's the fact that she does say that it, you can tell it, it makes an impact on him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say anything, I think, but I think he feels like ashamed or something mm-hmm. or like feels like he needs to like, you know, acknowledge that within himself. Mm-hmm. For sure. And also Anthony Mackie's character is kind of like this crime lord who lives in the community um, who is kind of like related to Star's family. Um, I thought that was an interesting inclusion too, uh, you know, to, I guess he's kind of like a villain as well in the film. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that he kind of had like the community. I, it's funny because the conversations we're all having around police brutality um, are changing, you know, and progressing as more people Mm -hmm. kind of enter the conversation. And, um, you know, like I would say the difference between like 2016, 2018 and 2020 is now like Mm -hmm. activists are kind of more explicitly saying like defund the police. We like the system needs to be overhauled. And I thought it was interesting at the end that there was this recognition in the title of the movie too, that, the hate you give, um, you know, like mm-hmm. fucks up everybody basically. Um, mm-hmm. and that like Anthony Mackie's character is like imprisoned at the end of the movie, you know? And it's, mm-hmm. we're already at this point in the conversation now where we're talking about like, how are these, how is like crime created by these systems, you know? And he is right. a symptom of that. 
So I just thought yeah. that was interesting. That I, yeah, I, I, yeah, it like t- I almost wish it did more with that mm-hmm. um, because I felt like it. He was more of a villain character than, but I, but I think it was more complex than they had time to really sure. get into because this movie is doing so much. Like I think they did that with Khalil's character mm-hmm. because Khalil Khalil was a drug dealer and they touched upon mm-hmm. that and they were like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like he. Like he shouldn't be shot. He yeah. didn't do anything illegal in this yeah. moment, and also get to shouldn't be have been yeah. killed. Uh, and it really was like he had no other. They did say like he had no other options mm-hmm. to make money to support his family. Yeah, yeah, um, they do it more so with him than they do with the. Yeah, the but I wish they had done it like more because yeah. he was, I think, painted just mostly as like a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's like a lot more complex than yeah. that. And it's a good thing these conversations move and change um, so quickly. Right. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought that mm-hmm. it was really well made. It was really beautifully shot. It had a great cast. And it really like emotionally affected me. Um, right. I liked it a lot. I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I thought it was really well made. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven too, because I, I thought it was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Like that it was able, like, like I know that my one quibble was, you know, to make Anthony Mackie's character more complex yeah. sort of, but, um, for the most, like it's already doing so much. Like, I can't fault them for not having time to do mm-hmm. that. Just inter like they, they were, it was working on so many yeah. different levels. I feel like, and I think that I can't, I mean, obviously I, I, I could be totally wrong, but I can't think of another movie off the top of my head that did, um, like a young black girl coming to terms with, you know, two different worlds in the same way mm. like the code switching and confronting her like racist white friends yeah i th- I thought it was done really well mm-hmm. um, i want to read the book and i can't think of another example yeah mm. yeah i can imagine it it's like a great book yeah. um uh so yeah i'll rate it a seven nice um so it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on November 30th and we'll be discussing the 1944 film Laura for Noir November. Ooh, happy Noir November. We're getting it in right <laughs> under the cutoff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music and thank you for listening to Chick Flicks. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.